You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. Jackie Y. Jones, welcome to the Plug Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Neil. Um, yeah, we we jumped on this Zoom call like two minutes ago, and immediately I said thank you because you're using professional equipment. You sound great. This is what I want in a podcast. So often, people just use like their phones, and it sounds like shit because I sound great. You do sound great. You sound great every day, with yeah. or without the microphone. You know what? Don't pander me, please, Jaguar. <laughs> We've known each other for a few minutes. Let's not go crazy. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, really good. Very busy. Uh, interesting couple of years, but <laughs> I've made it my bitch, I reckon. So pretty stoked. Yeah, well, let's start with the uh, the the fun stuff. Well, I mean, COVID hasn't been fun at all, but let's talk about your music. Um, where, where are you right now? Are you in Brisbane? I am in Brisbane. Okay. How, how are things there? Because normality is a thing that's starting to, to be a thing in Australia. And I've got to say, I like it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we had a little bit of a tease at the end of last year where normality was coming up to the surface again. And then it just got taken away from us all over again at the start of this year. Um, so it feels good. I mean, I feel very lucky to be in Brisbane. I feel like Brisbane has had it quite kind. Um, I had COVID myself at the start of 2020. I was one of the first. Oh, wow. Um, and I still really struggle with long COVID. So that would be the only like, I guess, COVID related thing that is hanging over my head still. Apart from the fact that we can't tour and play shows, I guess I've gotten really used to that now and um, put my time and energy into other ways Um, because music is very versatile. It's very broad and you can do a lot of things outside of touring and gigging. So I've taken it as an opportunity to, I don't know, experiment, get creative. But otherwise, um, my health is still a thing and chipping away at it. Have you, um, has social anxiety been anything for you? I've noticed so many people in the last month are like, yeah, we can go out, but should we just stay inside? I'm like, no, 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 Look, we, ha- we have to go out now because if we don't, then we're all just going to go crazy, I think. Yeah. I mean, I like when I left the hospital after having COVID and because um, my struggle with COVID was quite public um, in the media, you know, yeah. it was constantly presented in the media I was very socially anxious to even be outside because I almost felt like I would be judged or, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. I just felt like it. I would be marginalised or, yeah, thrown off to the corner. And that stuff did happen. You know, people would come up and be like, shouldn't you be indoors? And I just had to keep saying, I'm recovered now. But it was because it was in the early stages um, we didn't really have much information and we didn't really have much education around it too. So that's where my social anxiety around um, having been like, I was in solitary confinement for five weeks on my own in hospital, under hospital care. So it really does play with your mind um, that 
you might be safer indoors um, and that you don't want to deal with any other extra pressure when you're already dealing with your health. So um, that definitely was a thing. And I really worked hard in overcoming it. And I will agree in saying that, um, you know, when you do all those personality quizzes, I always get extrovert. But after COVID, I don't know, like, I feel like that quiz is wrong. I feel like I'm a little bit <laughs> introverted. And I don't know if that's just from the circumstances or the true self inside me going, you know what, I really like being a couch potato. Mm. I mean, it's not that I don't like it. It's just if, if we don't force ourselves to go outside, it's like we're not we're not going to. Because yeah. this is just what we've been doing. It's just, it feels safe. I mean, like when, when Sydney had the, it's freedom day, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the amount of people like, yeah, I'm good. I might just stay home and watch a movie. I was like, what? You gotta- That's interesting. Cause I just saw TikToks during quarantine. I mean, during lockdown with lots of <laughs> beach parties. So maybe they just need to be told to stay inside and mm. then they'll go outside. Jerks. <laughs> I've had arguments with people like who are like, like they just they weren't like they weren't like anti-vaxxers but they'd had enough of the lockdown like enough's enough and then the second lockdown's over it's kind of like yeah i've just got some stuff on this weekend i might stay home like, you <laughs> fucking you dick uh you know i feel like you know how it's taken a bit of time to understand lockdown and totally. wearing masks maybe there's just going to be this little period of warming back into outside and freedom (laughs) well then this is a good segue because first of all congratulations second of all you need to move past your social anxiety because you are going to eurovision australia decides (laughs) jaguar jones congratulations this is very good it is very good i'm excited um the only reason why i said yes to it was because the fans kept on demanding it and i didn't think it was something that i was going to do again But I realized that, you know what, the last two years has been so tough um, on my music career in so many ways, not just with COVID. And everything is such a gamble right now. And Eurovision Australia decides seemed like it wasn't a gamble, as in I felt like it was going to happen. And I was so used to gigs being cancelled left, right and centre. But regardless of whatever rules might be in place, I feel like that will happen and I'm going to give that to myself and um yeah I I've really put myself second um in the last few years and so I'm gonna take that tv moment and (laughs) make it my own (laughs) yeah so for people who don't know Eurovision Australia decides is basically a competition of Australian artists who then get selected to then represent Australia at Eurovision so you competed in 2020 and correct me if I'm wrong you dislocated your shoulder the middle of your fucking performance. Yeah, it wasn't even the middle. It was like the first 40 seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me put it in context too. Um, I still am an emerging artist and I had never played to a room that big before. That was like, I think it was 2,500 people or something. Right. So I, I just had never even played to that size before. And then playing live on TV to 4 million viewers, like it was a huge other level for for my brain and my anxiety and when my shoulder dislocated 40 seconds in I just was saying to myself oh you fucking loser (laughs) like you're just gonna have to stop this performance and be like oh 
Hello, Australia. I just uh, I just need a moment because I've dislocated my shoulder. Um, sorry about that. Uh, see you later. And I just was like, no, like mm. this is your first TV moment, live performance on air. You will not do that to yourself. And I just went like super saiyan and was like, and like put it into my shoulder. It was like, let's go. <laughs> well, the, the best part is like, I remember, so I when I, I worked in the music when that happened, and I think you, you did an interview with us about it. Well, them, sorry. And yeah, it wasn't like it was obvious. Like, oh, why is she walking around like slinging a dead arm on stage? No one had any fucking clue. So whatever you did, it worked. It was really funny because when I went to the physio afterwards, um, the physio had two students with them. And, you know, everyone else has been like, where did you like, <laughs> like, when did you exactly dislocate your shoulder? But when I showed the video to the physio, I don't know what the terminology was, but they were like, oh, oh, there goes a mission. Like it, they said it dislocated twice, like, I don't know, horizontally and I don't know, vertically or something like crazy. And they saw it happen without me explaining when it, you know, and at what point um, they knew it and cringed with did, me. Did you know at the time that you yeah. had done something serious? Or was it just like, oh, that hurt? If you watch it again, it's really quick, but you'll notice that I'm actually trying to get up, but I'm staying lying down. And oh, shit. Yeah, I was meant to have already been sat up by that point, but I just made it part of my performance. Like, I love this block. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, okay. Yeah, wow, really comfortable. So I just stayed there for a little moment. You can see that I kind of like heave up a little bit and it's like, oh, yeah, no, I can't. So I go back down, lock it in place, like put it back in, and then I get back How up. did you know how to do that? Any normal person would just scream. I feel like it was adrenaline. And if it wasn't live on TV doing a Jaguar Jones performance, I would actually be like, mom. <laughs> that would be a way to go viral. <laughs> if there's any way. Stop singing like mom. Mom, mom. That, mom. That's, but, but, that, but like, yeah, I mean, I now I will go back and watch it. But watching it in real time and then the replay after I heard the news, I was like, no, you, you did pretty great thanks i mean my first time seeing you was big sound oh awesome so there i mean i'm, I'm there were no broken bones there were there no well no. that's good no. so i imagine like gearing up for this next eurovision straight side so just to clarify it's yourself paulini and isaiah fibrates they're the announced artists so far so there will be there's more more yeah do they keep that a secret from you Yes. Because that'd be bullshit if like, and Kylie Minogue. Like that's... Oh, yeah. No, but see, I would be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like, lose. I'll forfeit like, Okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. I will like, I don't know, dust off her feet for her and I don't know, help her to the stage and make <laughs> that really easy for her and just fangirl hard. It's like yeah. the thing about Eurovision though, it's like, and I say this with complete respect to, to, your, to your fellow competitors, it's like Paulini's been around for a while and Isaiah's already done it. This is bullshit. <laughs> You've already got my vote. Like well, with all due respect to Isaiah, great guy. <laughs> Met him a few times. Very lovely. You've already done it. Move on. <laughs> and Paulini, like you did Australian Idol. You've had your share. But I, I actually get really scared, like if I'm going to be honest with you, because they are like reality TV stars, mm. right? I'm like, I don't know, the underdog from brisbane <laughs> but the, I, that, that's what it should be though right? that, that's the whole point uh, um i grew up watching paulini like i, I swear mm. i was in primary school or something when 
Is it? Yeah. I would have been in like year seven or year eight. Yeah. What? I don't know why. uh, What season was she? uh, Jesus Christ. That's a bad Don't ask me. You might have to get her on your podcast and she could give you the. I think I was in year year seven when the guy Sebastian Chanel, which was like the first season, right? Yeah. 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 I think I was, yeah, I was definitely younger in primary school, but I, I don't know. It's just wild to me. I lost it because we. Me and my partner were talking about Paulini the other day and we're just like, oh, yeah, remember Paulini? Yeah, and we started kind of like going through Australian Idol um, winners or contestants and then the announce happened and I was like, ah, no way, (laughs) I like manifested it. (laughs) Do you you take something, I know this is a weird question, but like do you have to take something like a Eurovision thing seriously because it is the event that it is, like it really is over-the-top, crazy big fun do you just have fun with it because it is what it is or because it really you're putting yourself on the world stage? Do you, is this as serious as you being called up to perform with Beyonce at the Grammys? Uh, um, I, how I like to see it is if I got to have a stadium show, what would I do? And it's okay. kind of like this opportunity of making my wildest dreams come true. Uh, as an artist, I'm a very like visual person as well. Like I, I, put so much into my artwork and my music videos and I'm very much involved in everything like I directed the last music video and edited it but so for me it's like this I don't know playground like it's made for me to just play with so um I would say it's a bit of both where uh I get to push my creative boundaries but also have fun with it too um but heading into this Eurovision Australia decides I kind of want to just dump how hard my last two years have been onto the stage and uh, use it as the best form of catharsis to let go of what the last two years have been like. Let's talk about the last two years as much as you would like to, of course. Um, You're, you've been, you've kind of been the unintentional spokesperson for the Me Too movement in the Australian music industry. And I think what's so fucking cool and courageous about what you did is that, you you know, let's reference Carly again. You're not Carly Minogue. You're, you're an emerging up and coming artist. The, the, there's so much contention around the debate about, especially like the, the Me Too movement in Hollywood about what was done right, what was done wrong. So many powerful men and women, you know, they stood up and said, yeah, Me Too's fucked. But what did they really do? You know, like, what did the people who were making $20 million a movie really do other than say, yeah, I agree with this? They don't really have anything to lose. You have everything to lose. Yeah. So Um, my first question then is that conversation of you had a story to tell. What was the deciding factor of, you know what, fuck this. It has to be told. This is for the greater good. Knowing full well that you are putting your career on the line. Yeah, that was actually really daunting and it still is daunting because I don't know what happens behind closed doors and what decisions are made because people, you know, um, are like still have more power than me and can control my career. But for me, I guess I um, was motivated by the fact that I wish someone was there for me Um, when I had less of a voice, um, less power. Um, you know, even a couple of years ago, there's no way I would have done what I did, um, back then. And so I want to be that voice 
for those who can't. Um, and it's not my responsibility at all, but I'm just driven by justice and it's the justice I never received. So I rolled over for a really long time and now I'm just, now I'm just like, you know what, I'm done uh, playing dead. I'm done, you know, fleeting, like fleeing. I'm done, like freezing on the spot. I, I deserve this and I deserve to be able to tell my truth and people who are going through the abuse and survive some terrible toxic things in the music industry also deserve the same thing so I guess I guess I just was like it's it's more than my career to me um I feel like I've been really blessed since I was a real like since I was really young with resilience and I just knew that regardless of whatever happened I will persevere on through um and do what's right by me and have no regrets so I wasn't going to keep quiet but in saying that it wasn't easy I I still am struggling to articulate it now it was the most difficult one of the most difficult things I had to do because it was so public um and there was so much risk and we are suffocated by our defamation laws that everything I did, I had to do with so much consideration and strategy. We think about what I've done in the last two years for the Australian music industry's Me Too movement. And the truth is I haven't really been able to tell my truth yet. What do you know? What details have actually been said? And that's because I'm gagged by the laws, you know, and, and I'm gagged by this industry that's cowering away from talking about it honestly and wanting to make real proactive change. Um, and I'm frustrated by that and I'm angry by that and I know that I'm not alone. And in doing this process, I've been able to gain so much more power because there are so many other voices alongside me. I might not be the Kylie Minogue with the fame, with the power, with the platform. No way, nowhere near it. I might not be like the veteran industry member with all the connections in the world. But what I do have is support from the people at the bottom who have been through what I've been through and that's made me be able to do what I've been able to do to create, I don't know, to fan some sort of momentum so that we have to look at things a little bit closer. Was there anyone when you, I imagine you have an in, like an inner circle and you said, I'm going to, I'm going to come forward with this. Was there anyone who was like, was everyone very much like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Or were they kind of like, we'll cheer you on from, over there hmm. like did you, did, uh, yeah. did you think this is going to be if I'm doing this I'm I've got to do this I've got to do this alone sorry I I didn't really I didn't really have that kind of I guess I didn't really have a team around me at that point I was still self-managed um and I was still looking after everything myself it's not like I have a legal counsel around me but I just knew that uh it wasn't okay um and I got told that I was the only artist that's willing to speak after approaching so many others. And I just was worried that if I didn't speak, this would just be swept underneath the rug and kept silent for, I don't know, who knows, another decade. Like, we don't know. You know, people have tried to do things uh, for many years and I just thought this is my opportunity and I don't want to have any regrets. Um, 
I want to show people that you can achieve what you want to achieve despite, you know, disadvantages and really hard circumstances. Um, yeah, I think that's what I was driven by. Or maybe there was a little bit of like, I'm not going to ask anyone because it's easier with horse blinkers on <laughs> to charge on through. Um, but what I will say is I have a wonderful band and that band has supported me um, so much. And they're three, three boys. And, you know, after that project interview came out, I was a mess. I was, there was no support around me and I was just at this really low point of what have I done? Do you mean from um, friends or from industry people? From industry people. Right. Um, and it was my band that, you know, picked me up, packed my gear, drove me to the gig, set up my staff, like helped me do sound check and was like, you can do this. Fuck makeup, fuck hair, fuck costumes today. Just, you know, turn up for this gig. And I did that show. Um, I was on tour with Francisco and I just, it reignited my passion of why I entered the music industry in the first place. And that connect had been lost because of COVID, but also because I'd been advocating so much that you almost forget why you entered the music industry in the first place because I wasn't doing anything music related for so long. I was just trying to write the music industry. Um, and doing that gig, it was like, I don't know, I was able to um, release so much of that pain, that anxiety, that grief. Um, and concern over my career and just go this was the right thing to do and I'm going to continue trying to chip away at it when you talk about the the people in the industry that kind of steered away from you after that I mean I'm sure you can't speak for them but was it a reluctance to work with you because oh okay this this artist is now problematic like she's now going to make a point to 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 fuck with things and that was a fear of that or was it because the people that were steering away from you what people you were fucking talking about yeah it'd probably be both yeah um and also the third component would be fear as well i think people um are scared um so they want to see what happens they don't want to be you know almost like i don't you know that curve for technology like early mm. adopters and whatnot that's yeah. my reference i'm <laughs> going to use they didn't want to be the early adopters they were going to wait to join the movement when the bell curve is more mainstream and how do you you know encourage people to be early adopters i don't blame them because this industry is so toxic so layered and so complicated that who would have the courage to put their career and their necks on the line um yeah saying that i'm just like what was i thinking <laughs> I, was about, I was waiting for a pause and i was gonna go you did like that that's who that's what makes it so fucking uh, cool is the wrong word but that's what makes it so powerful like you you had so much to lose and instead you were like nah fuck that i'm doing it like you went on the fucking project like that whole one-on-one -on -one setup with lisa wilkinson like that's yeah. as that's as prime time as it gets <laughs> i was um like you're talking to someone six months later where yeah. I'm just like, oh, that worked out. So like, you know, there's a bit of this, like I'm put together again and I knew it was the right thing. But if we had this interview back in May when the project happened, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what the result is going to be. And I'm still knee deep in it. Like the perpetrators I spoke about on TV, 
you know, have finally been charged, but it's going to be a long time with wow. the courts to have any sort of result or conviction. So it's a re like recurrent thing. But what I know is I made the right decision for myself and for what I believe in. And there's a natural protector in me that w wanted to do it for everyone else. And I feel like the tide has changed where, um, people are starting to listen and people are starting to be aware. Uh, yeah. And so it was very worthwhile and I'll just keep on fighting that until we're all aware and we're all learning and we're all committed to creating change. I mean, look at the ripple effect that's had in, you know, the project was six months ago, a couple of weeks ago, there was a particular record <laughs> label head who was the subject of a four corners investigation in ABC Again, don't want to toot your own horn here, but I feel that you really kicked off that conversation because this particular person, we're talking decades of allegations of mm -hmm. bullying and harassment. You opening that door kind of showed everyone it's fucking okay. And not only is it okay, it should be encouraged. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, for me, it's like, it's not even okay or should be encouraged. It should have been done ages sure. ago. Like this is a CEO of 37 years, you know, like when you're at that level of power, you are fucking responsible for the culture that is underneath you. And you are fucking responsible for the well-being of the employees that work for you. Um, yeah. I, I just, it makes me angry because how did it go on for so long? How was there like a staff mutiny in the nineties and nothing happened from that? Mm. So yeah, there's a, there's bigger questions to answer for here still, but I'm so glad that um, report was able, that investigation was able to come through because it's, it's a really complicated thing that we can't quite take to the police. You know what I mean? And that's, that's because this music industry doesn't really have this overarching larger HR department that oversees, um, you know, the whole industry. Mm. And so, yeah, people take advantage of that and people have been getting away with it for so many decades that, we have lost what is wrong or right in this industry. And we've got a lot of catching up to do compared to other industries who's, who've already started work on this. So yeah, it should be encouraged, but really my anger is in the fact that it should have been done ages ago. Eurovision, I guess will be the culmination of, of you being able to get on a, a gigantic stage in front of a gigantic audience, no pressure <laughs> and kind of like, you said you've had a hard two months, two years, sorry, six months on from the project. You do, like, I mean, you said six months ago, you felt down. You do seem much more relaxed. I don't know if that's because you're sitting in what I can assume is your second bedroom. That <laughs> no, it's red chair my little looks great. Study. <laughs> <laughs> it's my creative, creative loft. Okay, great. Well, you look relaxed in your creative loft. I am pretty relaxed today. Um, uh, I sacrificed a lot. Like I'm going to be honest and say I sacrificed a lot for the well-being of others and I've had to learn to prioritize my well-being and I still haven't yet. And I spent so long writing 
for Eurovision Australia decides because the usual process is that they assign you a song, but I wasn't going to do it unless my song was selected. So I went in hard in the songwriting process and I wrote seven songs for Eurovision Australia decides and all of them just kept surfacing up with these kind of similar feelings. And those feelings are, um, reuniting everyone together and celebrating um, the fucking amazing things we've been able to accomplish by working together and also, you know, being honest and being vulnerable about the pain that I had to go through to get to this point. You know, I, I I shouldn't have to have gone through all this for the industry to listen to me when I've already gone through a really difficult, you know, traumatic time. Sure. Um, and I've had to relive that constantly and uh, I relived that constantly to advocate in the industry and that came at the expense of my artistry. And so I'm just kind of on this vengeance path of wanting to get my artistry back. I want to be known for my music and my art, not just for what I advocate for. And that is so important but now I'm at this unique place of well I can use my artistry to continue advocating they don't have to be separate things anymore and that's why this the latest song of yours who died and made you king obviously at least from my interpretation is a gigantic fuck you to (laughs) to those particular people we're talking about to clarify though is that isn't going to be the Eurovision song no, that's not the okay. Eurovision song. Right. No, no, no. No, that is my big fuck you song. <laughs> um, it was funny because I wrote this song, I think in July. So it's pretty new. And um, Brisbane was going into a lockdown. And I just was like, oh, I'm going to get away and go to Byron Bay for a week and just write songs. And there was this pressure on me to find what my next single would be. Um, but I had a bunch of old stuff that I was considering to be my next single. But I went to Byron Bay and this number came out of me that was so full of rage and so full of, I don't know, punk, I don't know, banshee energy. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's nothing that I've ever done before and I feel like it's the same thing of what I was saying before of, you know, um, kind of putting all my emotions that I've been repressing to advocate onto paper. And I think that Who Died I Made You King was my anger. And it was a bit of my protest, fuck you song. Um, and it's a quick one. It's just like two minutes and 10 seconds. It's a <laughs> quick burst of anger. <laughs> right. Can you tell us like as far as Eurovision goes, because, you know, Montaigne's um, single was like very colourful, very bright, mm. Uh, Kate Miller Heike fucking flew in her performance. Um, what what are you going to be doing? I think the standard is quite high when fucking flying is on that on that ladder. So what have you got for us? I'm still thinking about it, but um, I'm going. I'm definitely going to have my fun with it, and oh. it's going to definitely be my moment. Um, and being on Eurovision Australia decides is kind of second to that. For me, I just want to be able to express myself in the highest and most honest way. Um, 
and whether that comes with flying and lots of colour and some rolling drum cages upside down across the audience. <laughs> I don't Spoilers. know yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yet, but I keep um, teasing the band that I'm going to like hang them on wires and make them explode into, I don't know, smoke and flames. <laughs> and they're they just... super shy people because that is yes. not nice. If I can write good. <laughs> they are so shy. They're just like, can you just backlit us, at, you know, backlight us and keep us in the shadows? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but that's it's like, it's, you've got to, you've got to like be, you've got to do something crazy. Right. Which is always weird to me with Eurovision. Cause it's like, surely it should be, can they sing? Can they perform? But mm. there's always got to be something like they, you have to do a magic trick in the one minute mark. If someone doesn't like vanish from the stage, eh, it was all right, I guess. It's a weird. Um, it's a weird I mean, we can we can workshop Neil. Do you have ideas? Um, look, I do, but it's yeah. all magician stuff, and okay. I haven't are worked you, out. I haven't worked out the magician? ending. Of, and no, oh no, I'm not a magician. <laughs> I thought that was like a little slide of like no. I know magic. <laughs> I mean, like if you maybe just don't perform, just do something different, just come out and like just sit down on a park bench and read the paper. That'll be oh, different. Yeah? Oh, and, then I can, and then I can have the lyrics on the paper so oh, I don't even have to memorize that. that so you've got genius. this in the bag. You oh, know what you're doing. You're my creative director. 100%. You know where, where is Eurovision going to be in? No, 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 I don't know. Well, the actual Eurovision. The actual one, yeah. That's in Italy. Um, uh, I'm terrible. English is my third language, but it's Turin. Turin? Is that right? I'm not Italian, don't know. It's going to be in Turin. Oh, you heard it here first. Gosh. Turin. That could, oh no, I feel like this is going to be the death of me. <laughs> don't, don't promise me things because I'm going to show up to the Eurovision backstage and be like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm a stage manager for Jack Bridges. She told I'm me that one, she Googling, told me that one time. I'm now Googling pronunciation for Turin. What's the spelling? T-O-U-R-O-N? Yeah, T-U-R-I-N. Turin. Oh. Maybe. Turin. Wait, is that what it said? Turin. There you Turin. Don't, don't do that. Turin. Come in on stage. Hello, Turin. Hello, Turin. I am touring <laughs> in Turin. <laughs> you look, you're going to win. It's fine. Isn't What's the, the record of like the highest Eurovision contestant is ninth for Australia, right? No, Dami Im came second. Oh, fuck. Of course she did. Yeah. So moment. second or better, please. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's that's the that's, um, that's Oh, great. Thank you, Neil. Pressure, pressure. I'm definitely going to dislocate both my shoulders this time. <laughs> Just do it. Like, that's, that's how much you want to win. Yeah, no, and, yeah, and that's Turn how much I want to exit the pressure. Too. <laughs> I'll be so, like, this is for you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens um, between now and February, though? Obviously, Antihero came out in April. Mm-hmm. You've released Two Died and Major King. Um, mm-hmm. You've apparently got these Slipknot songs in the bag. Um, <laughs> what what can we expect between now and then? More music, an album, or are you just kind of just it's Eurovision focus for the next couple of months? I am actually working on new singles as well. Right. Um, so they're kind of all going side by side. I am working towards a debut album, um, but that won't be released until hopefully next year if plans go well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm currently in this kind of writing and recording stage. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And I feel like I've really, I don't know, what do you call it? I don't know where you're going. You're just making I know. weird hand I'm gestures. I'm making weird hand gestures. <laughs> I know. Thanks for telling everyone. You're blossoming. Is that I'm it? I'm blossoming. I don't know. That... Yeah, I'm evolving. I was kind of going like Pokemon. But right, evolving. Yeah. Love that. So I'm evolving um, as an artist and uh, I 
I'm really looking forward to what this next chapter is going to be because Who Died and Major King was a different moment for me. Music has always been something that I needed like I, I to survive and that's to express. But I always was still bound by fear and, you know, inhibitions. Mm. Um, so my lyrics were always quite encoded and encrypted and um, it only meant something to me and maybe some other person who deep dives into some of like some depth of my lyrics and I feel like slowly it's becoming more and more honest and then Who Died and Major King came out and it was just like a full face slap um, of truth and how I felt and it kind of made me go I've changed through this process I've changed as an artist I'm not as afraid anymore of, you know, trying to please people and um, putting myself second to everyone. I'm here to just tell my truth and have no boundaries with that. So that's what these new songs are going to be like as well. It's really exciting. And I'm super chuffed and um, I can't wait for Eurovision. I can't wait for the new music. Thank you for coming on. Well, I'll see you on stage, stage manager. This is my, this is a recording, just so you know. <laughs> and you'll be like, Jaguar, it's Neil. And you'll be like, I don't know who that guy is. I'll be guy. like, Neil, center stage, back dancer. Yeah, backstage dancer. Whatever. Back mate, up dancer. Mate, learn. You know what? Hang with me a little bit, Jaguar. I'll, learn, I'll show you the ropes. is for you, Neil. Whatever whatever the the design is, I want in. Yeah, sweet. Like if, it's, if, it's, like if, if the theme is a park, I want to be a tree. Okay. I want to enjoy anything. Just well, let me be a part of the Eurovision experience, please. I want you to sway with the wind, though. Like, be a real tree. No, nah, but it's Eurovision because the fan will be fucked and I'll fly off stage <laughs> and they'll call it art and I'll break my back. But you know what? It won't be a shelter. Wait, I thought all... we were committed to going ham on this, Neil. I thought we had a deal. We can do this. We are doing this. Yeah, okay, good. A flight all inclusive? Right. Should I refer to Jenna? Um, you just have to sway like a tree and then you'll fly... You know, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, across the From country. From Sydney as well. to T- Turin. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a what, what, Turin? I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but fuck it. It's great. Let's go for Gold Coast first. And, you know, <laughs> let's start a Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> think big, though. Okay. Um, Jaguar, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, again, thanks for the fun. I, think, I think what you've done is fucking incredible. I think overall, my comment is going to be like, it's. It's kind of sad that it had to be such an isolating, lonely process for me. Um, and I hope that can change and that people come out of their fear. And because it, it really comes in like numbers for strength, you know, and um, there's only so much one little emerging artist in her creative loft um, of Brisbane <laughs> can do. <laughs> um, but, you know, until then, I'll keep on trying. That's all I can do. That's a nice way to finish it. I'll, it <laughs> I'll keep on trying. Jaguar <laughs> Jones, thank you so much for coming on and we'll thank see you. you. I'll see you at the Gold Coast. Yeah, I'll see you in the wind. <laughs> and, then, and then off to Turin. Yeah, Turin to Turin. Ta-ra-ra, bit. The Plug Podcast is proudly sponsored by Audio Technica. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Instagram, at The Plug with Neil Griffiths, to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways. Mm-hmm.